This is George Newbern, the voice of Superman, and you're listening to the DCAU Review, hosted by Cal and Liam, streaming at dcaureview.com and on your favorite podcast app. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the DCAU Review, hosted by Cal and Liam. Streaming on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and at DCAUReview.com. Now, here's today's episode. Welcome, everybody, to episode number 100 of the DCAU Review. Joining me as he has each and every week for the past 99 episodes is my good brother and co-host, Liam. Liam, we finally made it. Congratulations, buddy. We've made it to episode 100. Yeah, this is pretty wild. Uh, you know, when you come up on any kind of big anniversary-type shows, this isn't really an anniversary, but it's a mile- milestone, I believe, is the word I'm looking for. Absolutely. Um, you get a little nostalgic. You think about the origins. We've talked about that before on this show, but this all started because when the 25th anniversary of the Batman the Animated Series was coming up, a lot of different sites, uh, you know, nerd sites... Uh, comic book sites and all that stuff had their top 25 episodes of the series or ranking some sites even ranked every single episode Mm -hmm. and we would trade these lists back and forth and just kind of you know argue amongst ourselves and talk about man like this episode's ranked way too low this episode is so high on so many people's lists we don't get it right and so we just started talking the more we started talking we're like hey maybe there's a maybe there's a podcast we could do here and uh Start So it went from uh, in the early planning stages of just being a Batman podcast to becoming a DCAU podcast, and here we are 100 episodes later. Yeah, and uh, of course, uh, you can check out DCAUReview.com or your favorite podcast streaming app to find past episodes that uh, you may have missed. If you're joining us for the first time, thank you for being here with us. Definitely go back and get a chance to check out some of those other podcast episodes. Technically, this is our 100 and... Right. Uh, but this is our official. Those bonus yes. episodes don't count in regular continuity. Exactly. They are uh, they are outside of the normal continuity. So this is our 100th episode. And uh, some of our episodes we've covered have had... Uh, haven't all been DCAU necessarily. We just got mm-hmm. finished a month of uh, Elseworlds, Liam, where we covered Superman Elseworlds, other animated forms of Superman for an entire month. and yes, uh, But now, for our 100th episode, we figured, hey, we like to do big stories and big things on big milestone episodes, and there may be none bigger than the episode that we're talking about today, which is the series finale, actually, for Justice League, that being the episode Starcrossed. 
Yeah, so this episode originally aired as a television movie and was actually released on home video mm-hmm. uh, as a as a movie, but it was also technically like some of the other big epic three part episodes uh, across these shows. Similarly, something like World's Finest, it was technically three separate episodes of this show, and as you mentioned, it it also serves as the finale. To, to the entire series of this original Justice League run uh, before we got into the expanded roster later down down the line. So yeah, this is it's a big epic finale and uh, it it does not pull any punches. It's a you cannot it is definitely things are different. you know our heroes are not in the same place that they were at the beginning of the episode. Uh, beginning of part one that they are at the end of part three, uh, to say the least. Absolutely. And if, if you recall, the last time we covered some Justice League, we covered uh, Comfort and Joy back in December, which, of yeah. course, you can check out in the archives at DCAUReview.com. And that was the uh, that was the episode that leads up into this episode. So that, that episode ends with uh, Jon Stewart and Shaira Hall, a.k.a. Hawkgirl, and they're spending some intimate time together <laughs> over the holidays. And uh, you know, leaves little to the imagination at the end that they are—they've become an item, uh, romantically well, yeah, and, involved at and, least. Yeah, and then in, in Wild Cards, the uh, uh, one of the other episodes right in around mm-hmm. that time is when we we get to see Hawk Girl without her mask for the first time. Yep. We see them share their first kiss. Yep, amongst and, uh, other things. Yes, <laughs> things are <laughs> certainly implied as you as you've uh, mentioned here. But yeah, so we're kind of ramping up. Uh, there's been a lot of sort of tension and. Uh, romantic uh, attraction between Hawkgirl and Green Lantern. But here we are. They're finally a couple, and things seem to be going great. And then the episode starts. <laughs> exactly. All right. Before we get into our four main categories, Liam, which actually we haven't done this in a while. Maybe you're listening to us for the first time. Uh, remind the listeners at home, give us our four categories that we cover here. Yeah. So uh, our four main categories, which we rank every episode we review on, are, uh, are pretty simple. We have plot. We have uh, visuals slash animation. We have the music and the voice acting. So each category we rank from a score of 1 to 10. Sometimes 0. Yes. Okay, <laughs> I should say yes. Technically it could be a 0 to 10. Um, and if for some reason there's something we want to talk about that isn't covered in those four main categories, or if we just want to throw something uh, in the episode as sort of a special shout, we can also... Uh, add on a bonus point that uh, tacks on to our final score. Like we said, each each category is from a 0 out of 10, 0 all the way to 10, and our final scores are blank out of 40. So there you go. Yeah, right now, as, uh, as far as I know, there have been three perfect episodes in the history so far that we've covered here. Uh, all three of those Batman the Animated Series episodes, if I recall. Uh, for you, yes. For me. Uh, mine, I actually did give a perfect score to the aforementioned Comfort and Joy. There you go. Uh, which I we forgot talked about, about that. Uh, just just uh, back in December. So um, we, we've had some perfect episodes, and then we have our top picks, which is really the, the best of the best, which you can find on the website, broken down. Um, check out DCAUReview.com. Uh, <laughs> That's a mouth. Easy for me to say. Uh, you can check out our top picks section, and that has the best of the best episodes that we've covered. Anything that's ranked basically 37 and above, uh, and we we've covered one pretty much from each of the uh, the main.
main DCAU there. So, uh, yeah, Liam, let's get into this week's episode, though. As you mentioned, Starcrossed uh, originally debuted back on May 29th, 2004. So that puts us about 16, uh, coming up on the 16th year anniversary of that program. So I know you have, you're chomping at the bit to give us the IMDb <laughs> synopsis as you do each week for our episode. So what does IMDb have to say about this episode? In fact, I have three because there's one for yes. each part. So. You see, we're, this episode is already bigger, badder, and better than ever, <laughs> baby. <laughs> Love it. That's right. And uh, so this is the synopses for Starcross parts one through three, which were written by Rich Fogel and Dwayne McDuffie. They were directed by Butch Lukic and Dan Reba, with music provided by Lolita Ritmanis, Christopher Carter, and Michael McQuistian. And these synopses, starting with part one, read as such. Hawk Girls people, the Thanagarians, arrive to offer the planet protection from another alien race which is threatening to invade the Earth. And the synopsis for part two. With Earth now under Thanagarian control, the Justice League goes into hiding to recover and cope with the betrayal of one of their own. And moving on to the final part, part three. The Justice League launches an assault on the Thanagarians before the activation of a hyperspace gate that will destroy the Earth can be launched. Okay, there we go. So, I, I guess we don't need to talk about the plot. Let's give our scores here, because <laughs> that was just the perfect synopsis for it. It's bullet uh, points. <laughs> it covers the bullet points. It does. No, no, no. But, it it uh, does. So, yeah, we have our first episode where it's revealed fairly quickly that the Thanagarians uh, have entered the Earth's atmosphere and they are they're our saviors liam they're here to save the world they're here to help us out the dastardly uh gordanians who are uh sort of a kind of a lesser known i think alien race from dc comics they're foes of the teen titans as as well as they used to be very kirby-esque looking designs Uh, a lot they're like giant lizard men with tails and wings and it's very yeah it's very very kirby-ish design um but so the, a, a single ship shows up to attack, and the Justice League is kind of overpowered by it. Thankfully, as you mentioned, Cal, the Thanagarians show up with an entire army. How lucky. Their entire ar- army shows yes, up. Yes, the entire armada of the Thanagarians show up to uh, destroy this single ship. And they say, hey, we're going to build you a force field because the Gordanians are on their way. And uh, throughout the rest of part one, Batman, of course, being the detective, is immediately suspicious of these seemingly friendly fellows, um, led by a commander, Hro Talek, who is not Hawkman, Cal. Yes, he is not. He is not. You may think he is, based on his design, the (laughs) fact that he is a man who is also uh, wearing hawk gear. Right, his romantic relationship with Hawk Girl. Correct, uh, would lead you to believe that. The fact that his name is an anagram uh, for (laughs) For K-Tar Hall, Hall, exactly. That would lead you to believe that maybe this is, in fact, the Hawkman. But you would be wrong, Liam. (laughs) Foolish. Yes, of course. No, uh, the the true story of that, as uh, Bruce Timm and Dwayne McDuffie have said, is that they were going to make this the DCAU version of Hawkman. Um, And then they kind of got word from uh, Mount Olympus, uh, the (laughs) DC Comics, said, uh, nope, you can't can't make Hawkman a villain. Uh, So therefore, we had to tweak things. And obviously later on in Justice League Unlimited, the quote-unquote real Hawkman, the real Carter Hall, does show up. So Mm -hmm. 
But for at least for all intents and purposes, he is here to fill the Hawkman role, and he's got to protect that Hawkman property. Right. It's very valuable it's our property. <laughs> Can't turn him heel. Are you kidding me? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Bringing out all the big ones. Um, That's right. But yeah, from so from there, the Justice League is kind of taken aback by the betrayal, as well as finding out that Hawkgirl's been lying to them uh, for several years now, as she's previously had claimed that she had been sent here by uh some other alien race and didn't know how to get home uh as it turns out she was basically a a spy who was sent there to uh make way for the rest of this army to come now we do find out that hawk girl is not aware of the thanagarian's real plans uh so uh she's not as evil but she's also she's not Perfectly innocent, either. Not at all. No, she's specifically sent there to do reconnaissance and figure out not only Earth's weaknesses, but the weaknesses of each member of its defenders, also known as the Justice League. Mm -hmm. So she is solely responsible for exposing the weaknesses of each member and uh, allowing them, the Thanagarians, to overpower them ultimately. Because as we see, once the cat's out of the proverbial bag and they realize that uh, these Thanagarians probably aren't up to too too much good going on here, yeah, uh, they decide that they're going to go and uh, and and they're going to. Well, there's a there's an interesting scene where Batman finds out and it is confirmed. As we'll talk about in some of the visuals, I'm sure. But he he is captured and he relays the message to Wonder Woman who then relays it to the rest of the league and they realize that uh yeah they're they're not up to something good here that it's all a ruse that the thanagarians are using the earth uh as a sort of um sacrificial lamb i guess is the way to put it they've created this very uh science fiction-y hyperspace chain of hyperspace gateways that they're going to use to get their army behind the force shield of the Gordanian home planet. Yeah. Uh, tale is all this time, as yeah. we like to say here. Of course. But uh, Earth is the last, uh, I guess, link in the chain that they need to set up this hyperspace gateway. But in opening this gateway, they're going to uh, basically destroy the Earth and right. uh, just rip it apart to open up. Because they're basically oh, essentially opening up a black hole right. uh, in the center of the Earth. So... Uh, Obviously, they, so as we mentioned, the Justice League is captured because Hawkgirl let the Thanagarians know what all their weaknesses are. They come with a kryptonite laser for Superman. They're able to over, uh, overpower Jean. They have a, some sort of gravity gun that keeps the Flash from running. Uh, even though it's funny, we talked about this a little bit off the air, we've never expressly said on the show or in the DCAU that yellow is a Green Lantern weakness in this DCAU. Mm-hmm. But it happened to be a yellow energy beam that cut right through John Stewart's shield and knocked him down. And it's and it, there's another instance where this occurs too, where John loses his concentration yes. with some sort of yellow beam that's I, attacking I him. I think it's in the Great Brain Robbery, the okay. Great Justice League Unlimited. Episode. I think also in I want to say in Legends, mm, yeah, there's, a, there's something that happens where he it's sort of alluded to that the yellow there's some sort of yellow beam or something that shoots through, and he you can tell he's just having more. It's it's not necessarily a straight up weakness like in the Super Friends if you right, saw where those it cuts episodes through it like butter, right? But... He oh I I can't because it's yellow. Like right. it's not that that clear, but it's clear that it affects him in some sort of negative way. Yes, but either way, they as we said, they have weapons and. Uh... 
Uh, and similarly with Wonder Woman, though they've never actually expressly said that on on Justice League, there's just sort of a thing in the comics where she can be bound by her own lasso, and in fact, once they knock her out, that's how they restrain her, is they tie her up by her own lasso. We saw that in uh, a couple weeks ago in Superman Red Sun. That, that Absolutely. Was, that was something that Batman uh, did, the yes. uh, Russian Batman did in that. Yeah, be sure to check out that episode uh, yeah, for sure. in the archives. But uh, yeah, so from there, the Justice League uh, breaks out, they go undercover, we get the civilian, the official secret identities are revealed finally, which is another thing that I guess before this episode, I never really thought about. Correct. That yeah. they didn't know each, that they wouldn't have known each other's secret identities. Yeah, I remember when we were growing up, there was always this thought that, and eventually, of course, it's established in Old Wounds, that Batgirl knew, like, Batman knew Batgirl's, right. Batgirl was Barbara Gordon, and that... We I assume that Dick Grayson knew that Batgirl was Barbara Gordon too, and that's why they were romantically, you know, linked together. Mm-hmm. But of course, we learned later on in Old Wounds that that wasn't the case. And right. then, so I, I think our minds just naturally go there to that point where it's like, oh, well, yeah, they're, they're superheroes. They must just, of course, they're sharing their secret right. identities with each other. They, you know, they who cares? Right? Like, they're superheroes. But yeah, we learn through a uh, through a hilarious line from from the Flash that he's very reluctant to expose his secret identity <laughs> that Batman clearly already knows. Yes. Without our costumes, we are merely ordinary citizens. Hold on a second here. What about the whole secret identity thing? I mean, I trust you guys, but I'm not sure I'm ready to... Wally West, Clark Kent, Bruce Wayne. Show off. Red hair. It suits you. You think? Change. Now. So from there, they, they regroup at Wayne Manor. Uh, In civilian clothes. Yes. <laughs> they, have to, they have to make it through the, the hawk-infested uh, territory. Where we get our first hashtag Wonderbat kiss. Yes, absolutely. Way. Very um, monumental episode. Yes, this is a this is a big one for shippers all around. <laughs> I think. Um, but uh, yeah, we we get to see the Batcave in Wayne Manor. We get uh, hashtag My Alfred coming back. That's right. The final um, appearance of hashtag My Alfred in the DCAU. Yeah, which is sad. sad. Yeah, but hey, uh, moving on from there, we have uh, Hawk Girl appears in the Batcave, gives Green Lantern his ring back alerts the Justice League to the rest of the uh, the plot, and then uh, Thanagarians track her there. We have a f- big, awesome fight in the Batcave, which we'll go into more detail in, in visuals, certainly. Um, and then we kind of have a Return of the Jedi-style final act, where the League kind of splits off. We have a pair going after to fight all of the Thanagarian ships. Mm-hmm. We have Batman and uh, the Flash and Martian Manhunter break off to go take down the shield generator, although ultimately Batman is really the only one that ends up going on that mission. Yep. And then meanwhile, we have Green Lantern uh, kind of being the Luke Skywalker and going by himself to confront the uh, the, the main villain of this piece. Not Hawkman. Right, not Hawkman. Hrotalic. <laughs> right. And... Uh, try to take down the shield generator from the inside so that uh, Batman can blow it up with the watchtower. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it all, it all kind of comes to a crescendo. Obviously, the, the good guys win. Shaira makes her choice. She sides with the Justice League after all of it and with Jon Stewart. And they're Who gets able... his ring destroyed yes, in the he, final fight. Yeah, he gets the the piece, like the holder, the piece that slides under the finger is separated from the the ring itself uh do they ever explain how he got a new ring no i guess he just called somebody <laughs> he called kyle rayner up yeah. and he's like hey hey, hey kyle hey. i need a new ring give me another ring yeah i need a new one 
Uh, or do, do you think some other Green Lantern had to die to get him another ring? <laughs> <laughs> he like he just like called one up. He's like, yeah, give it a little whistle. Give me a little push off the cliff. Like, yeah. Oh, sorry. Ah, <laughs> oh, darn. Darn. Sorry. <laughs> sorry, Arcus Chumick. <laughs> yeah. If you have any theory, fan theories on how the Green Lantern got his ring back, uh, go ahead and tweet Liam yeah, at me. DCAU Review. Definitely. <laughs> but yeah, then we we have our, our wrap up as the Justice League is victorious. Uh, Hawk Girl. Not knowing how the Justice League voted, whether or not she's allowed to stay in the league or not, simply resigns, uh, and she 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 and Green Lantern kind of have a nice last sweet moment together, and that's the end. It really it really ends on quite a down. She fly, literally flies off into the sunset and s- tells John that he loves her, and as she's I mean she's clearly far far enough away where she can't he can't she can't hear him. He says he loves her too. So yeah, and that's uh. Roll credits. <laughs> yeah, for the series. <laughs> yeah, for the series. Um, so we can. Uh, we've been talking for a while now. That's Obviously, okay. it's a big time episode. Yeah. We're gonna we're gonna have to go over everything kind of with a, a little bit more uh, detail than we normally do. But it's a giant size one hundredth uh, episode. <laughs> yeah, as far as we can get into scores for our plot here, um, it's really, really, really good. Mm-hmm. It's I like that part, and it's I watching it in three parts. Obviously, we watched them all back to back. But having it broken up to see like where the cliffhanger would be if you watched this one episode at a time and sort of how it's laid out. Uh, you know, each episode is kind of one act of this three act story. The first act being the mystery, uh, the second act being the conflict and our heroes kind of getting taken down and facing adversity, and then the third act being them rising back up and and taking the fight and having this big epic battle. Um, it's it's really really good, and even though it ends on kind of a downer note, um, it's still it's very poignant. And thankfully, we have the benefit of foresight, knowing that <laughs> there's another uh, you know, another show coming that will further expand on on what happens next. So and and com- doesn't just leave these these storylines right. alone. They they will wrap wrap them up. Yes, in neat orderly fashion. And, right. and there there are there are consequences to everything that happens in this episode going forward uh, in Absolutely. the DCAU. So uh, because of all that, I went ahead and gave plot a perfect 10 out of 10. Uh, very good. Uh, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I think we talked. Uh, we talked a little bit before we went on the air. How, and I think you mentioned it just a minute ago. Very, very Star Warsy in the way that it ends. And I think that Star Wars built the model uh, for how trilogies should go. Yeah. And say what you want about the first new, two new tri- good, last yeah. one gets a little iffy, but still good. Right. Right. And and if if you, the original trilogy. Yeah. If you look at that, and it's even it's even different, I think, because I don't uh, maybe they didn't know there was going to be sequels, or George Lucas always had sequels in mind, but whether or not it would it would be successful enough. So right. first first uh, a new hope ends on a happy note, mm-hmm. but you have that initial conflict. You have the second movie, which is Empire Strikes Back, uh, or in this case, Part Two, where like you. Said, the heroes get beaten down things look like uh don't know what's going to happen how are they going to come back from this and then you have the triumphant success of the heroes in the end um but even the the not so happy ending is is a is a very it's a hallmark of the dcau Mm -hmm. they've done it very well if you look at some of the most impactful episodes when you look back at apocalypse now we talked about that one a while ago and that episode is so 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 great superman battling dark side dark side's invading metropolis superman looks like he wins at the end 
only for Darkseid to kill Dan Turpin. Yes. And it ends on, yes, they save the world. The world has this victorious moment, but there's this twinge of, of sadness and loss, and things won't be the same going mm-hmm. forward because of this. So the, the DCAU and the writers capture this for me so well. They do <laughs> such a great job of these the crescendo, but... In, in all wars, there's always casualties. There's always going to be people that, yeah, the war may have been won, but there's still losses on both sides, and there's certainly losses for our heroes. So uh, all that to say, I gave this also a perfect 10 out of 10. Yeah, having, having stakes, even in this world of Superman and Martians and Fastest Men Alive and Amazon Warriors, like to still have important stakes and to... to you know, metaphorically live and die with these characters and the choices they made. That's why that's why we're doing this podcast and why we've done it for 100 episodes is their ability to make us feel and care about these characters. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. All right, let's move on to visuals and animation, Liam. Um, so... I would give this. I'm giving it. Uh, I'm giving this a very strong nine out of ten for mm. visuals, and it would. I think I would have been would have been apt to give it a ten out of ten. But I really had some issues with the digital animation, the the CGI vehicles that they had. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't have an issue generally with the way that they incorporated those. And I, I think for the most part, they are in these early episodes a little bit jarring just because it's not quite they hadn't quite figured out how to incorporate them into the yeah. into the standard animation. I mean, nowadays you can tell when there's a vehicle or something that comes in where they've gone into extra detail to try and mm-hmm. make it a CGI, but they're able to blend it enough where it fits in and doesn't stand out. This I felt like the animation was very choppy for a lot of these mm. the Thanagarian ships were all computer generated generated and a lot of the times they're flying flying in or they're there are multiple ones on the screen and it just looks very very choppy like there were i don't know it didn't fit in seamlessly and it stood out enough to me to distract mm-hmm. with that said though the rest of the episode is absolutely gorgeous uh, there's so much fun stuff in in, in this episode to, to talk about i mean uh i know there's one scene in particular that you want to talk about for me being able to see our heroes in their their personas, their secret identities, yes. their everyday human being personas was a nice touch because for the most part, for the majority of these episodes, uh, with the exception of the Kronos episode, which we haven't covered mm-hmm. just yet, uh, that episode had some sort of civilian-esque looking clothing and guys out of costumes yeah. as far as Batman and Wonder Woman and stuff and green lantern always out of costume but this had clark kent in it for for a significant portion a very important part that he was in it also and then you get bruce wayne and the whole justice league it humanized them as they're sitting there in the bat cave well and it's also a monumental moment to we had never because they had never he'd only ever been referred to as the flash on the show we didn't really know for sure which flash this was this uh clearly he had a lot of personality traits of the Wally West Flash in the comics, but we we really didn't know for sure, and it had never been talked about um, because we'd never seen him out of costume on the show. Right. So to have this confirmation that he is the the red haired Wally West character, um, who is I think a Flash who, especially to our generation, is the Flash. Absolutely. Um, and I think a lot of the personality traits that were uh, were his best traits have now been placed into the 
Barry Allen character who appears in various forms, either that be the the current comic books or some of the live action portrayals of of the Barry Allen version. But mm-hmm. uh, and that's not that's not necessarily a bad thing, but no. it's just kind of how things go. Um, but we we uh, especially have a, a love for that Wally West version of the character. Absolutely. So finding out for sure, one hundred percent, no doubt that it is in fact the Wally West Flash was very cool. And, uh, yeah, I mean, some of the other great, great visuals in the episode, um, as much as the CGI, I do agree with you, especially in part one and two, were not great. I do think the battle at the end in part three, when Superman and Wonder Woman are, are fighting the, uh, the just legion of ships, I do think the CGI there looks pretty good, and they blended that. And I don't know if it's they spent a little more time on that section because it was a final battle sequence or... No, that's what fair. That was, but yeah, I, do, I do think they looked. It looked better as as the show went on. But uh, yeah, a lot of I love the design of all of the Thanagarians themselves. The it's it's very Star Trek, as you pointed out to me. Uh, all of the kind of the grunt soldiers are just in red and gold. But you have uh, you have a few different sort of higher ranking, uh, like the lieutenants, both uh, that which is what Hawkgirl is, and also this character Krager. Kind of the, the right hand man of Rotalic, uh, our, our lieutenant's there in blue, and there's also a character called Parandul who is uh, in, dressed in all white. So, yeah, I, I was curious as to her, they don't ever explain her ranking, and I wonder if there was originally supposed to be a bigger part for her because she's unique enough. Yeah, they actually, and they talk about that at some point. There, so there is, spoiler alert, there's a sequel episode to this mm-hmm. where. Hawkgirl and a few of the other JLU cast uh, are confronted by the remnants of the Thanagarian army, and I think she's one of them, and I gotcha. think they go a little bit more into her backstory and uh, her motivations in that episode. But yeah, she's she's very she's very much a Captain Phasma type, as we're continually <laughs> referencing Star Wars here, uh, or a Boba Fett type, where she has a very cool, striking look about her, but she doesn't really do much yes. in the... <laughs> In the actual episodes, but uh, yeah, I, I liked the look of the Thanagarian army. Uh, there's some really great scenes as the Thanagarians first kind of take over the Earth. Uh, one that uh, that I know you liked, where they were they were all kind of sitting perched on the Daily Planet in mm-hmm. Metropolis. Really, really good job of really making it feel like an occupying army. There's just thousands and thousands of them flying through the air, and they have these tanks that they're running through the streets and. Uh, they're just everywhere, and it really makes them feel like a like an army that Superman couldn't just handle on his own. Because as you mentioned, we've seen alien invasions before. We've even seen alien invasions in the Justice League show. So to really up that ante and show why why this foe, why these foes are such unique challenge to the Justice League, I thought they did a good job there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I I agree with you. I think the third part definitely that the battle scenes in in total like and then the battle scene itself between wonder woman and superman and the thanagarians and the ships is just done incredibly well Mm -hmm. it's the the air battles are always are always done really well especially on justice league and superman that those are those two shows have done an always done a great job of that uh this one is certainly no exception and i think you're right i think they did tighten up the the digital animation a little bit at the end there on that third part um and then you know having three different battles going on at the same time i was thinking about it you know it's it's i think i think they talk about it on one of the commentaries on the dvds that it's it was difficult for them a lot of times to choreograph fight scenes with all seven seven of yeah. the heroes together uh we 
I think we talked about that also in one of the one of the first Justice League episodes that we covered. Um, I want to say Injustice in for All, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, there's a, there's some fight scenes there where it's like, okay, well, we have to remember who's fighting who in this, <laughs> and uh, that yeah. was even more complicated because you had multiple villains. And but for, for this. They split them up, but they kept them. They didn't. You didn't lose the action that was happening with each mm-hmm. of them. So being able to split them up, each character, and again, that's a. We're just. We might as well just call this the Star Wars episode. <laughs> it's the Star Wars model where you take the biggest characters, you split them up, and you. They each have their own battle that they're fighting, and they may inter. You know, interact in some way or cross cross paths uh, mm-hmm. in the mid- middle of them but they all have their own standalone fights so yeah that that choreographed final scene was really great yeah the uh the battle um when they first break out of the prison cell oh that's incredible uh, where superman all of the the super powered heroes with the exception of wonder woman are kind of they're either in green lantern's case he doesn't have his ring and he still has his big metal handcuffs <laughs> on uh and then the flash and superman and martian man are all kind of still feeling the effects of the uh, the devices that were keeping them depowered. Mm-hmm. So we get to see Superman with a big old hammer that happened to look a lot like Thor's, as you pointed out. He's to me. worthy. <laughs> yes, turns out he would be worthy to wield it. Yeah, there's a there's a crossover. That's for the 2030 <laughs> Secret Crisis comic book. That's it's uh, coming, baby. It's coming. I feel it. I can't wait. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, that's that that scene's great. You see all of the the different leaguers. Uh, brandishing different weapons yeah um the the final bits as you we've already kind of touched on in in part three with uh uh wonder woman and and kind of wrecking shop on the on the thanagarian ship and then the the fight between john stewart and rotalic is brutal it's really violent and also between fro and shaira is incredibly vicious and yeah they uh you know we were we were looking at it i think they said on the dvd commentary that they actually they toned down the violence a little bit because one of the producers is felt very very strongly about domestic violence and and uh, so he they toned it down a little bit but it's still like the original they were like yeah the original scene had had not hawkman (laughs) smash her face into the wall and it's like Oh man! Yeah, that would have been that would have been brutal. But it's still brutal. Like he yes. he backhands her, like yeah. openly backhands her, and and it isn't like some ones we've seen before, where like we 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 see the hand go up and then we cut to the woman getting knocked back. Right? No, we see it. We see fist, on, you know, hand on face. Yeah, it's it's um, brutal. And then then the battle, like you can see it in John's face at the end. It's yes. just he looks like you know Rocky Balboa at the end of Rocky One or mm-hmm. something like that. Just Face is absolutely a mess. Yeah, absolutely. He's got this big slice across his chest. His hands been like his fingers are kind of broken after uh, Talik breaks his ring. And uh, yeah, it's it's he's just a, a physical mess. Meanwhile, we have Batman driving the Watchtower into the heart of this uh, hyperspace generator, and as it's burning up on reentry, and he's losing consciousness. So we see Superman break away from the battle to go save Batman. And as you mentioned, they do a great job of uh, you never lose track of anybody. Right. Um, uh, Martian Manhunter and Flash are kind of out of the battle because they were sent on an escape pod with the rest of the Thanagarians. That off tricky of the Batman yes, tricked Bat- him into it. Right, Batman, instead of leaving with them, uh, tries to pilot the Watchtower into the heart of this uh, space generator. But... Uh, I think the uh, the piece de resistance, if I could invoke a little French, 
uh, in this episode. <laughs> this, on our 100th episode. Yes, for the first time. Liam's going to speak French. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but is probably the, the scene, the battle scene in, in the Batcave between the Thanagarians and the Justice League. We'd be remiss not to mention it. It's so fun. It's uh, it's when the heroes are finally back on the upswing, and you can tell that, like, all right, th- they're going to do some battle here. Superman gets a little sarcastic with... Yeah. And a little quippy, which is good. And Batman gets to use the uh, the off often. Well, nowadays I feel like it's seen more often. They used it again in the Dark Knight movies. They mm-hmm. used it in the Batman also at yes. one point. But the uh, the Sonic Bat Caller. <laughs> yeah, I remember them talking about it. How hard it is to f- come up with good moments, action moments for Batman. Because they've been doing Batman. I mean, at this point, it was what we said. It debuted in 2004. They've been doing Batman since 1991. Right. So it's not enough for him to just throw a battering or exploding battering or electric battering. And so, but thankfully, they they had this one great bit from uh, Batman Year One that they'd never touched before. And it works great. But uh, that whole sequence and how it's introduced is uh, the Thanagarians blow up the front of Wayne Manor, uh, push Alfred down and Alfred. and barge their way into the cave and you first you, you see Green Lantern his eyes light up and he walks out of the shadows to fight them and then kind of each uh, each character you get a great moment where there's a great shot where Wonder Woman uh, grabs one of them with her lasso throws him down and uh, Martian Manhunter phases up from underneath the ground and just puts his arm out and takes the guy's head off See Superman crush a guy's hand and throw him into a stalactite, and uh, you know the Flash is running around, knocks knocks some Thanagarians into the giant penny because of course we're in the Bat Cave, so Absolutely. we can we can play. We, even though we can't use a lot of Bat villains, we can uh, we can show their toys off. <laughs> Scarface makes a cameo appearance. Yes, it- and then uh, the Lieutenant Krager is ultimately undone by trying to freeze Superman with Mister Freeze's freeze gun only to have it blown back at him and now we we also have never established that superman has freeze breath only right. super breath he has right. super breath in in the superman the animated series dcau world but this it, it sort of was a yes. homage to that to that freeze breath so really really yeah cool. i like that i like that so that sequence is just it's un unquestionably awesome and uh yeah everybody super kinda, fun yeah everybody has a moment to kind of shine in that and and uh, it's it's just so so well done. So I know you mentioned right off the bat that you were giving it a ten out of ten, and or sorry, a nine out of 10. nine out of ten. And uh, I, on the other hand, will be giving it the full uh, ten out of ten. Nice. I don't necessarily disagree with uh, your your uh, problems that yep. you had with it. Certainly in part one, and some minor like weird focusing issues. I feel like in part two, where yep. uh, some of the close ups on the guys, you see like a weird like distortion in their faces, um, and I don't know if that's was just how it was copied onto our DVD copies or something. Right. If that's something that happens just with more commonly with digital animation, I'm I'm not quite sure. But despite all of that, I think the highs are so, are so high that it's it's worth the the full ten for me. I love it. I love it. And that's that's what's so great about when we score these episodes is there may be something that's nuanced or that I feel is worth deducting a point whereas you're willing to overlook it so yeah. that's why we both give our own scores instead of just having our, the same one absolutely all right Liam, let's move on to music here let's talk about uh who did music for this week's episode yeah so it was the triumvirate <laughs> i shall hereby uh call them of uh, lolita ritmanis christopher it. carter and michael mcquistian um who are as we've mentioned we've actually talked about them on uh, the last two episodes as well as they also 
were involved in the scoring of uh, pretty much every DC animated show. Uh, yep. They've they've been around whether it's uh, Superman, uh, Batman Beyond, Justice League, uh, Teen Titans. Legion of Superheroes, Brave and the Bold, they've kind of done a little bit of work, at least on, on pretty much all those shows, so yep. uh, they know how to craft a darn good score, and we we keep mentioning Star Wars, there's certainly a certain Star Warsy in quality, especially to the uh, the battle scenes, uh, it's it's a grand epic score that really adds a little bit of oomph, but it also it also kind of knows when to hold back when when the voice acting needs to be the main focus, it's not... It's not just constantly playing just to play. It'll drop out completely or go very soft when when Shaira and, and Pro or when when Hawkgirl kind of makes her one final last emotional plea to please find another way to, to solve this problem. Don't destroy the Earth to save Vanagar. Um, and it kind of drops for a moment and then comes back in and swells as he electrocutes her. <laughs> um it's really well done. Um, yeah. They, they kind of laid off. You, we do get the one, the Wonder Woman theme comes in quite yeah. a bit in this, mm-hmm. uh, as she kind of saves the day in in part two. We don't get a lot of the other DCAU themes. We don't hear much Superman or Batman. We get a little bit of the Batman theme, I think, when the bats come out behind him. Yeah, it was very subtle. You, um, you don't you don't hear the full thing. Yes. So they uh, at the and I liked I very much liked the marching the theme whenever we saw like scores of the Thanagarians. There was a very like grand mil- militaristic theme of watching them march. It reminded me a lot of some of the music from the Savage Time episodes. Ah, yes. Um, my personal favorite moment. I, I by the way, gr- shockingly, I agree with you on, <laughs> on all of those those points. Um, the the music that stuck out to me was when the Thanagarians invade Wayne Manor. Mm. Uh, that you see the sh- the Alfred's in the living room and he sees the light and exclaims and the glass breaks and the 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 Thanagarian soldiers begin to invade and poor Alfred gets yes. you know knocked over a couch and mm-hmm. Alfred deserved better man yeah. like man uh, anyway punched him twice as hard for it, that's right laying uh, their hands on Alfred and and you know what's so great we didn't even mention like the very next scene Alfred's just up sweeping the glass yes. like he, <laughs> he's bad you know yes. situation normal back is back mm-hmm. to his normal normal situation absolutely um uh yeah so anyway the music that popped that, that comes in at that point really really I thought popped and and did a great job of setting up the, the terror oh my gosh you know the heroes have just done all this to escape from the Thanagarians and now the Thanagarians have found them and what's gonna happen like they're trapped in the Batcave what's gonna happen and and then like you said the the scene that follows it is just so fun the music that accompanies yeah. it is is great and and the music in the final scene like the the tension that builds with Batman piloting the the watchtower towards yeah towards this uh this generator and and it was builds tension with it as well and then the the battle the air battle is is punctuated very well as well so i you know i i think that music was like you said it held back in areas yeah there's probably some nitpicking i, I could have used a little more of the the cla- i i will never turn down <laughs> the classic batman or superman themes uh but with that said i i had to give music a a 10 out of 10 for this what about you very good uh yeah i'm, I'm a tick lower i went i went nine out of ten um just because i guess i guess it mattered a little bit more to me because it feels like there's a few moments where you really could have brought in those those classic themes sure. and it, it uh in in full glory and it, it would have uh, just punctuated the scenes a little bit more but that being said you know great great job and uh, you know, pros, pros as far as uh, mu- mu- uh, music for a for a superhero cartoon goes. 
can't doesn't get much better than that. It doesn't. All right, Liam, let's wrap this up with our final score here, and uh, that is going to be for voice acting. So voice actors today, another three-part episodes means another gigantic cast. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, thankfully, uh, it's only a few really notable guest uh, guest characters that we and need to talk And that's because about. they used so much of the 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 seven the major yes. seven to then just do minor voices throughout uh, i think everybody pulled double duty is either thanagarian soldier mm-hmm. or a citizen. general or yeah right. somebody in the un or something yeah. like that yeah. they, they were all doing pulling pulling their weight on this episode <laughs> definitely definitely but uh yeah so as far as our guest characters uh go we have victor rivers uh sort of a veteran television and, and film actor playing crow talic um, he has a very thick, uh, I guess it's some sort of Latin American accent. Yeah, they the, the note said that they originally, that's when they cast Maria Canellas, they wanted her to have a, a Spanish accent to a to a point, I mm-hmm. guess. And then they that's why they gave all the Thanagarians a, okay. a Spanish accent. Um, yeah, I I was not, his, his performance in part three, I think, redeemed it for me. Yes. But parts one and two, he's very monotone. And uh, I don't know. I was not a fan of his performance in one and two. I agree. I think it's it it like turns a corner, and I almost wonder if this was intentional. If this was intentional voice direction by Andrea Romano, because he's very uh, militaristic. Obviously, he's the leader of this giant army, right. and he's he's got a job to do, and he's being very level headed and even keeled about everything. And to your point, very monotone in the vocal performance. And then there's finally a scene when when Shaira kind of first realizes what the true plot is, and she's begging him to, ch- and she's telling him, "You have to change your. You, we can't do this. There's millions of lives at stake." And he he takes off his mask, and you see the scar he has on his face, and he asks her, "Like, have you forgotten that we're at war? Have you forgotten what these terrible Gordanians have done to me? Have uh, the he mentions being uh, living in a prison camp for years and." From that moment on, uh, like which, which I think is near the end of part two, and then yeah, all of part three, I think he's really good. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I would agree that first part, and again, maybe that was intentional. It's hard to say. Hard um, to say. I didn't care for it. I could have used. I mean, it. I I I appreciate what you're going for, and I I can certainly see where that would be. That would make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just it came off just very robotic. That's fair. Um, and some of our other notable guest stars, we have uh, Elizabeth Pena as Perrin Duel, who we mentioned is kind of this uh, side <laughs> character that doesn't get a lot of play here. Right. Um, but, uh, I mean, again, uh, her she's an interesting visual character, and hopefully maybe one day when we uh, review the episode where she returns, we'll have a little bit more to say. Uh, we have the veteran actor Hector Alizando, uh, playing Lieutenant Krager, who's the right-hand man to Rotalic, and also maybe is in love with Rotalic. Definitely is. It's we, <laughs> we did not mention that plot point, but yeah, uh, yeah. When Martian Manhunter, when Martian Manhunter reads his mind, in his mind there is a statue of Rotalic, and uh, next to it is a beheaded statue <laughs> of of Shaira. Uh, replaced with his own statue. Yes, so that's uh, that's that's an interesting wrinkle to to that performance. But yeah, he's kind of just this sleazy uh, second in command. 
Um, but Hector Alzando, people would know. He actually voiced Bane in the Mystery of the Batwoman uh, animated film, which we haven't covered yet, but I'm sure we will somewhere down the line. Absolutely. And uh, also voiced Bane in the uh, Rise of Sinsu video game that came out around that same time. Uh, you know, a veteran actor, you would know him from TV. He was in, uh, most famously to our childhood because of our sister, uh, was uh, the bodyguard in the Princess Diaries uh, Disney films. <laughs> that's why I know. That's why I know him. Uh, other than uh, other than his voice acting performances, but uh, that's great. He's he's a good like smarmy wormy guy who's kind of whispering whispering into the the leader's ear. Absolutely. Um, and then yeah, obviously we would be remiss to not mention the the for our money the most important guest star that being. Hashtag my Alfred Ephraim Zimbalist Jr. in his final appearance, as we mentioned, as Alfred Pennyworth. Um, it's one of those things where Alfred didn't need to be in this episode. You didn't need to set that fight at their hideout. Didn't need to be the Batcave. You know, it could have been the Kent Farm or something. Like it could have right. been, or some other you know safe house that Bruce Wayne bought or something. But having it be at the Batcave and having Alfred there to answer the door when, when Green Lantern and, and the Flash show up is such a nice little touch. And again, it just gives you that little extra thread of, of continuity to remind you that these are the same characters that we you've been watching since the early 1990s. And you know, Alfred is so seen it all that he's not even the least bit befuddled or confused by you know, Superman and Martians showing up on his doorstep. He's taking it all in stride as he always does. So it was, it was great to hear his voice again. And he also plays such a, such a pivotal role. And we talked about, and we sort of joked about it, but Alfred is also didn't have to be in that final scene. The very yeah. final scene where, you know, Shire is waiting to hear whether or not they're going to kick her out of the league or if they're going to allow her to stay. They've been in there a long time. Yes, miss. They have. If I may be so bold, I'm neither a superhero nor a soldier, so I'm hardly qualified to judge your actions by those standards. But I do know this. Without the great sacrifices you've made, we wouldn't be here to share this nice pot of tea. Whatever they decide in that room, in my eyes, you'll always be a hero. She doesn't know Alfred from Alfred doesn't know her from Adam, right? But Alfred takes the time to show loving comfort to her, yeah. tells her that he she's a hero in his eyes, regardless that she did the right thing, um, ultimately, and that no matter what the vote is, is that she's a hero. Yeah, and like it's, great. it's so good. Like Alfred, Alfred is too good for for everybody in this series. Yeah. Like, it's, it's, <laughs> Yeah, he he's always he's always going to be there. He's always going to be there for Bruce. We always know, but yeah, he takes the moment. He he says, "I'm I'm not a superhero. I'm not a soldier, but I've been watching. Like I I pay attention, and I know that you made a terrible choice that you were caught in the middle of, and you're you'll always be a hero to me." And that just... was, it's like and like getting that little seal of approval because I think it's fair to say like no one's really in the wrong. Like if you. Because obviously Wonder Woman and and I guess Batman to an extent are kind of are pretty much like no she betrayed us she lied to us get her out right and uh, you know uh, the Flash and Martian Manhunter are much more sympathetic to her with Superman kind of being on the fence right and in in this little discussion scene they have and so in the middle of all of that uh, while they're both you know both quote unquote both sides are making good points to have Alfred just go look you were in a tough spot. 
Maybe you made some mistakes, but in the end, you gave up everything to save the world, and that means you're a hero. And yeah. that's that's great. And that's and uh, Ephraim Zemblis is fantastic in that role. So I'm so glad. I'm so glad <laughs> that they put him in this episode. Yes. Um, it, yeah. It's, especially with with Ephraim Zemblis no longer being with us after yes. you know, sadly passing away in 2014 and not really getting to portray this character again. It's 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 a nice bow for this character. Yeah. It's it's, it's a nice way. It fits the character perfectly, like we said, and such a pivotal character that was there from. From the beginning, Ephraim wasn't uh, unfortunately didn't portray him in those first couple episodes. Hashtag yes. not my Alfred. Yes, but uh, you know, since he came along there, being able to just to go from Batman the animated series all the way up through Justice League, playing that character uh, in Superman the animated series, also and mm-hmm. a couple other those other other ones. You know, it's 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 just really cool. Yeah, and he's all he's always been such an important part of, of pulling Batman back from depression and and the the abyss and yep. to see him do that again but this time for a hero he doesn't even really know at all was just a really nice a good a summation of this alfred character and he's a good person who he is at his core absolutely. absolutely yeah for sure and then yeah rounding out of course we have our main cast uh, that being kevin conroy Ooh. as batman john uh george newburn as superman phil lamar as green lantern uh, Michael Rosenbaum as The Flash, Carl Lumbly as Martian Manhunter, Susan Eisenberg as Wonder Woman, and uh, the Woman of the Hour, Mar- uh, Maria Kanellis as uh, as Hawkgirl. Um, everyone's really good. Yeah. Um, I thought this was Maria Kanellis' best performance to date. She's very We've, good. I've, you know, I've had some critical things to say about some of those early episodes where mm-hmm. I felt like maybe her... She was a little too wooden and robotic, mm-hmm. um, but she gets a chance to really flex her flex her muscle here and, and really show her acting chops. And she does a she does a great job. She does a great job of playing that person, like you said, that's a soldier that's caught in between doing what she feels is right and what her orders are. And um, you know, it's it's really really good. And I think everybody else does a does a really really great job as well. Yeah, I agree. Um, as we mentioned, everyone kind of has a, a bit of a moment in Batman in part one being getting to be the detective and then at the end trying to sacrifice his own life. Uh, gentlemen, it's been an honor that he tells the Flash and the Martian Manhunter yep. as he sends them away is uh, is really, you feel that. And, um, and Superman being so exacerbated kind of by the whole situation because obviously he's not a guy who feels powerless very often. And then also when he finds out that Batman's trying to dive bomb the uh, the hyperspace drive <laughs> you you get a little a nice little moment of, of their friendship too as as uh, superman saves batman at the last second and you know they they joke about how you know each each one kind of always has to be the hero who saves the other yep um uh, wonder woman i think is really interesting in this episode because again she is mad yeah <laughs> For a lot of this, she uh, really from when they break out of the the prison cells on, she is furious at Hawkgirl for. And again, it's not. Yeah, she's it's, betrayed. It's not unjustified. She it's, was betrayed exactly, um, and and she, you know she feels she feels betrayed. Who well, wouldn't? <laughs> right. Well, and if you look at it, and the sort of the justification for a lot of it as well, you know, she was following orders. She gave up everything she ever knew to came here. So did Wonder Woman. Right. Wonder Woman gave up living on an island with her sisters, with her mother, to come save man's world. Yeah. And she did it out of complete selflessness. Yeah. And because she's a, tr- because in her mind she's a true hero. Right. And to see, uh, you know, the only other woman on the team for that matter yep. being, you know, turning out to be kind of two faced and lying to them and 
and uh, it, it clearly hurt her. Mm-hmm. And obviously, this again, this relationship, which is the great part about there being another series coming, is uh, this relationship, the Hawkgirl Wonder Woman relationship, is is fleshed out much more later on in Justice League Unlimited. But it ma- like that matters and feels very justified. It's not just oh, Wonder Woman's being a jerk because we need conflict between the Justice League members. Like it feels very earned and then yeah you have you have carl umbley and and flash is again as he is in a lot of these uh full ensemble episodes is kind of just there to be a little bit of comic relief there's some good back and forth with him and alfred when he first comes to the cave and is uh marveling at the giant dinosaur in the cave and things <laughs> like that and uh but you also get uh and and a little bit and and john's there i feel like a lot to just maybe do a little bit of exposition and he probably has the least as far as really memorable moments from a from a voice acting perspective but still 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 effective and absolutely um again that that final scene where they're kind of all arguing making their points about whether they should stay and he also being the last you know the last of his kind on earth feels a certain kinship with with her that plus with his performance also we get to hear those famous carl lumbly screams of pain yes his like attacked by the he, birds yeah in, the, uh, inside in craiger's mind in, yeah. yeah inside craiger's mind he's getting the you know the bird attacks and you get the, <laughs> the classic carl lumbly screams of pain and anguish yes. The dude say say what you want about the dude, but <laughs> that dude knows how to how to exact some make it sound like he's in pain. Oh yeah, yeah he's, <laughs> and he's incredibly talented at that. But uh, yeah, for so because everyone was so darn good, and obviously as we mentioned, Maria Canales, uh, I I would agree with you. I think this is her best episode. The back and forth between her and John, which obviously as we mentioned, has been built up kind of over the whole series. Mm-hmm. They're you know them first kind of being argumentative with each other, and then finally towards the end of the series falling in love. That's really good. But also, obviously, we never had met Rotalic before this episode. Mm-hmm. And being able to honestly feel like they were once in a relationship and that she does have feelings for him and doesn't want to see him and the rest of the Thanagarians, the rest of her people, go down this path of you know creating more violence in order to stop violence against their own people. Uh, she, the, the, the conflict is really there, and I think she does a great job. Uh, portraying that in in her vocal talents and for sure, um, yeah. So for all those reasons, I I gave uh, voice acting a score of ten out of ten. Ah, very very good. And uh, actually, I had initially given given this score a uh, nine out of ten just because of Frotalic's mm-hmm. uh, acting and me not caring for it in those first two episodes. But as we're talking here, Alfred's performance alone gave yeah. me that extra boost there. Wow. So I too am giving this a perfect 10 out of 10. Pretty special. Yeah, man. So, uh, yeah, well, let's, uh, let's total things up. Oh, Wow. Well, we actually, that means, uh, sounds like we both have a bonus point here. Uh, so, uh, I will, uh, I will, I will share mine and then I'll let you share yours. Sure. Uh, so my bonus point, actually, we didn't even mention it in, uh, in visuals. We were going to, but then haven't. So I figured, mm-hmm. Hey, why not use it as a bonus point here? 
so my bonus point goes to the the added visual gag of Batman disguising himself as Alan Napier, uh, aka Ooh. the Alfred from the '66 Batman. Yes, which was they could have had him dress up as anybody, but right. they decided to do this visual gag of Alan Napier. If you guys are familiar with him. Uh, just we were discussing actually as we were watching the show like maybe for me probably top two alfred yeah uh, i like michael kane i think michael kane's a good alfred mm-hmm. obviously ephraim zembles jr is alfred right i uh, like i like alistair duncan from the batman i think he does a very okay. good job um yeah. I didn't dislike the Keaton film slash Schumacher Batman film actor, but I did, never was like struck by a great performance by him either. The whole storyline that they made him having Batman and Robin just killed it for oh, me. Oh yeah, so where, where he happened to have the same disease that Nora Freeze had, or whatever. And then he and Batgirl's his niece, and yes. he gave her, yeah, he made her a costume. But she's not British, stuff, <laughs> but she's not British. Let's not talk. A, we need a whole episode on Batman and Robin the movie. Yeah, Jeez. that'll be a bonus episode so, somewhere down the line anyway uh but yeah I, alan napier as alfred growing up we t- we've already talked about it a little bit but in past episodes but we have a special place for 66 batman 66 in our hearts yes. from watching reruns on fx <laughs> back in the day when it was actually just a show that showed reruns of cbs television shows and yeah including wonder woman and greatest american hero and mm-hmm. all that all those cbs shows from the 70s and, and 60s so uh yeah alan napier disguise huge pop for that so it gets an extra bonus point for me awesome and yeah for me it's it's sort of a not necessarily a specific moment but more of a general concept and i love that uh whether it's an action beat or more of an emotional beat every character gets one like great moment up among these three parts We've mentioned uh, in passing how the creators have spoken about how hard it can be to juggle seven characters, uh, seven protagonists in the, in one episode, or in this case, three episodes, um, how hard that can be. But everybody has a role to play, whether it's in a specific action scene. Obviously, Batman has his roles as both the detective and then as you know the man trying to sacrifice his life at the end. You have Superman kind of being overpowered at first and then kind of get, getting to be a bit more badass towards the end. And I, I love that sequence that we mentioned of him blowing the the freeze ray back at uh, Krager. <laughs> and that's, that's so cool. Uh, obviously, Jon Stewart is kind of the emotional heart of this episode because we're kind of uh, with him probably more than any of the other leaguers as far as knowing what he's feeling, what he's thinking, Um because he's sort of immediately betrayed as the episode begins when he finds out that uh, Hawk Girl is engaged to another man. But Whoopsie. then, And then there's the subsequent betrayals of the Thanagarians trying to blow up the, the entire planet. But uh, um, So he has several great moments that, as we mentioned, that fight scene uh, at the end with him and Pro is great. Flash has a lot of funny lines and, and great moments. Like I said, I love the interactions with him and... Uh, him and Alfred Wonder Woman being the one to kind of break free of, of the prison cell, I think Mm -hmm. is really good and shows her resourcefulness. Um, and I think this is the first time we get to see DCAU Wonder Woman brandishing a sword also, um, which is kind of a, a much more common thing to see her with in, 
in modern comics and movies. Well, but, uh, maybe in that first, we haven't covered the episode yet with her and and uh, oh, maybe uh, and Aries. It's but, the first one I remember seeing. Yes, yeah, so. <laughs> but it's it's very it's very striking seeing her as we already she's, mentioned. She's a super badass in this yes, episode. She's she's really awesome. And then yeah, Jean getting to because it's mentioned early on that he's not able to read their minds and. So when he does kind of push the envelope and finally breaks into Krager's mind, as as we mentioned, is attacked by all the birds. And as he's reading the mind, the the wounds from the birds are showing up on his actual skin. Mm-hmm. Um, it's that's that's really quite striking. And yeah, as, as the end is Hawk Girl, obviously this is <laughs> this is kind of her story ultimately. And so having being able to have kind of one moment or several series of moments again, whether or not whether it's an action beat or or something more personable, more story story driven uh, is is great. And then uh, you know, ending with that that lovely sweet moment of of John and Shaira uh, on the on the, the the cliffs of Wayne Manor, I guess. <laughs> It's the same um, one where uh, where Andrea and Bruce were for, yeah. in a Mask of the Phantasm. Yeah, that's just that's heartbreak cliff yeah, that's, for real. Uh, that's where that's where <laughs> DCAU relationships go to die. But uh, no, it's it, like I said, I just I love that every every character had a moment or two to shine in these three parts. Nobody feels like an afterthought or like they could have eliminated them from the episode. They all feel important to the story and. That's really all you want, especially if if you're getting all seven on screen. You you want them to all feel important and like they have a role to play. And they they did such a great job handling all of them. That's again a, a testament to both the writers and the directors and storyboard artists and and everyone involved with uh, with bringing these characters to life. Absolutely. All right, Liam. Well, with both of us having bonus points, it's now time to total up our scores for this episode. So totaling everything up. Including my bonus point, I have a perfect 40 out of 40 for this episode. What about you? And I, in fact, also, with my bonus point, I have a perfect 40 out of 40. My goodness. Uh, the perfect, Another perfect episode. That's, I mean, we couldn't have scripted this any better. <laughs> we will tell you that, again, uh, as we've said a lot, we don't talk about our scores before we go on, so we did not plan this to be this way. True. Uh, it just sort of works out that way. But it's a testament to good writing, good action, good character development, good music. Mm-hmm. All of that combined creates an enjoyment that... Uh, it's it's just we it's a perfect episode to watch. Yeah, it's it's one of those things that really sets this animated universe apart from any of the other cartoons or um, some of the live action stuff. To me, it's it's when it all comes together. Yeah, um, that's when you end up with a really high score. Or in this case, perfect scores from both of us. And obviously, we picked this episode for our hundredth episode because we assumed it might be high ranked and that it would be a big a big fun episode to talk about. And in fact, it was. I uh, maybe didn't expect that both of us would end up with a <laughs> score for it, but again, that's yeah, that's a testament. Is it's everything coming together, as you said, Cal, to, to bring you uh, what is a pretty darn perfect ep- uh, series of episodes or television movie, however you uh, choose to watch it. Absolutely. All right, uh, and I, I don't even think we need to say. Definitely throw this, <laughs> throw this in again and again and again. It's rewatch for it for every reason. It's great. It's fun to watch. And it's super integral to the entire DCAU. So Absolutely, definitely rewatch this one. Definitely give it a give it a third, fourth, fifth, sixth watching. So, all 
right, William. Well, that will wrap us up for this week's episode. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Don't forget to check us out on social media at DCAU Review. Liam runs the Twitter. Give us your thoughts. How where, where does this episode rank to you? Do you love this episode? Do you hate this episode? Uh, if you do hate it, you got to tell us why. Show your work. <laughs> uh, don't just say you don't like it. Uh, yeah, give give us your thoughts on that. Get, tweet Liam. He runs a, a fine ship over there on our Twitter page. Don't forget, you can also check out at DCAU Review on Instagram. That's where we post our clips for upcoming episodes. We have sneak peeks, of course. We let you know as soon as the episodes have posted to your favorite podcast app. Post the podcast links. Do our flashback Fridays on there, talking about old episodes, also of uh, in the archives at dcaureview.com. And uh, Liam, we have a uh, a special episode next week coming up. Uh, super excited about this. It is uh, the episode one hundred and one, but uh, it's going to be a very special one for us. For for an interesting reason yeah for a couple of them actually yeah. uh so we will be kicking off we just as we mentioned this is the finale of justice league so starting next week we will in fact be reviewing the first episode of justice league unlimited there we go. so we're picking up right uh, where this episode leaves off with that and if that weren't enough cal if that wasn't a selling point enough for, for the, you for the first time ever in 100 plus episodes we're gonna have a special correspondent uh, that being James Strecker of the Watchtower Database YouTube channel. Um, those guys are great and have been very kind to us really from the beginning when we started our show as far as helping us share our links and, and getting the word out about our show, interacting with us, uh, you know, giving us advice and things like that. So really excited to have, uh, have James be on the show with us and uh, get his thoughts on the debut episode of Justice League Unlimited absolutely gonna be a landmark 101st episode so i cannot wait for that uh, before we had one more thing that we wanted to add here to our very special 100th episode yeah and uh we have a lot of friends in the dcau fan community fellow content creators uh people with websites podcasts youtube channels that sort of thing also devoted to the dcau and they were nice enough to send us uh, a few messages of congratulations. So here are those. Hey everyone, this is James Harvey from The World's Finest, and I'd like to congratulate the DCAU Review Podcast on hitting 100 episodes. It's not only a big milestone, but a testament to the great work being done by Cal and Liam, episode after episode after episode. These dudes are pretty awesome, and I'm super happy for them. Here's to hundreds upon hundreds of more episodes. Again, this is James Harvey from The World's Finest, which you can find at worldsfinestonline.com, dcanimated.com, and on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. Congratulations! Happy 100th Beyond. <laughs> My name is Benjamin David from the Above and Batman Beyond podcast. As it sounds, a pretty shui show devoted entirely to the futuristic Bat Beyond, and we could not be happier for the DCAU review. Congrats once again, you guys have earned it. Show rules. I see all that engagement on Twitter. Not at all surprised. Um, yeah, love the show. Cannot wait. Very honored to cross it over with you guys and work with you. Um, just so honored to have met and worked with so many of the people in the DCAU community, including my co-hosts, Batman Beyond fan page, Alessandro Botalico 3. Those are their Instagram handles. Uh, the Watchtower, DCAU Watchtower. Such good, awesome, smart, nice people. Um, so check us out on YouTube. We've recently been doing 
uh, interviews with cast and crew of Batman Beyond, posting interviews of those. I've uh, got to meet cast and crew at New York Comic Con. Amazing. Kevin Conroy, the voice of Batman, everybody. Um, yeah, so that stuff's on YouTube. And then the podcast is going to be on SoundCloud and iTunes. And please hit us up on Instagram, always on Instagram, at Batman Beyond Podcast. Uh, once again, we are above and Batman Beyond on YouTube. And this is Benjamin David telling you to go above and Batman Beyond. Hey, Cal and Liam, this is James with the Watchtower Database. just want to say congratulations on 100 episodes of the DCAU Review. I've been listening since at least episode 97. That's a lie. I've been listening since episode... Oh, gosh. Oh, there's so many to scroll through. Uh, like 40-something? I'm a terrible person. I should have been listening since the start, but you know how it goes. Uh, cool stuff. I'm looking forward to the next episode, uh, the one after this. Uh, I hear there's a very handsome man joining you uh, to discuss Initiation, the opening episode of Justice League Unlimited. That should be pretty sweet. Uh, You won't be able to see that guy, I guess. Uh, But I think you can imagine from his voice just how dashing he really is. So uh, congratulations again. Uh, 100 episodes is quite the feat. We only got to 52 with... uh, 12th level intellects, although that was once every other week, sometimes every three weeks, so I think we technically did it long. Uh, uh, who, who's counting? This isn't uh, a podcast measuring contest. Good job. I'll see you later. Okay, bye. Leave me alone. Okay, there it goes. Liam, cow, buddies, sorry about the minions. But congratulations on 100 episodes. It's a huge feat. I know when we did 100 episodes at Watchtower Database, we counted down some baths. I hope that's what you're doing here today, too. Count down some baths. Happy 100. This is Maddie Washburn. Love you guys. Hey, Cal and Liam. This is Chris Lord from the Tim Talk Podcast. Congratulations on hitting 100 episodes. Uh, shy of getting the full Kids WB lineup back, the best way to spend a Saturday morning is catching your guys' latest episode. So glad we met you through the amazing DCAU fan community, and we're so happy at the incredible success you guys have found with the podcast. Uh, if any of your listeners want to check out another DCAU podcast, my co-host Cameron and I are also going through the entire DCAU canon in order and talking all kinds of other contemporary pop culture along the way. You can find us at Tim Talk Pod on all things, and that's Tim with two M's, named after the patron saint of the DCAU. Thanks for including us in your 100-episode celebration. Can't wait for next Monday. Hi, Cal and Liam. Uh, this is Nathan McKenzie from Superman, the Animated Podcast. I'd like to take this opportunity to congratulate you both on your 100th episode, and hopefully many more to come. It is great there are fans out there like me that love the DCAU and from that they have the opportunity to listen to a great podcast such as yours. I really enjoy how you both break down each and every episode by going through the plot, animation, music and voice acting and as you guys know, a low score doesn't always mean a bad episode. All the best for the future, looking forward to what will be an amazing 100th episode. Again, this is Nathan McKenzie from Superman the Animated Podcast where currently I'm talking about Superman the Animated Series. You can find the podcast on all your favorite podcatchers, and you can find the podcast on Twitter at www.twitter.com slash supanimatedpod or the M-Word 81. You can also find us on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash the M-Word 81 
or you can find each and every episode on the website www.themword81.com. Again, congrats Cal and Liam for doing such an amazing job and reaching your 100th episode and thank you for bringing the DCAU back into our lives. Awesome. Thank you guys so much for taking the time to wish us a very happy 100th episode. Liam, one last thought before we go. Man, 100 episodes, it's quite the milestone, but we have lots left in the tank. Absolutely. Uh, this is this is just the beginning, as a, as it were, and we'll be back next week with episode 101, starting a brand new series. We're uh, super excited for the future, and uh, yeah, we're just getting started. That's right. Until next week, I'm Cal. And I'm Liam. And we'll talk to you on the next episode of the DCAU Review. Adios.